Good evening. I want to welcome you to Memorial United Methodist Church. My name is Joe Kate, and I'm the minister here. We're so grateful to have you here. If you're a guest here, we hope you had uh, you were able to find us easily and get in the door easily. I want to thank all of our people who are um, greeting, who are leading, who are um, speaking to our children, singing, playing instruments, making uh, and running the sound so that we can hear all of it, uh, making this service uh, special. I'm grateful for you all uh, working for us this evening. I want to tell you a couple of things about the bulletin. If you um, look at the uh, on the inside, Mary's song is the scripture that we used this past Sunday. And this is the song that she sang to celebrate the fact that um, Jesus was coming. And so we thought if we were going to have a scripture here present to celebrate, we would have this passage. I want you to take this passage home uh, with you when you leave. And if you turn the bulletin over to the back, um, we are featuring art from our children uh, that they, they draw it sometimes during the worship service, sometimes during the sermon. They're drawing uh, amazing pictures, and uh, we want to feature our children's art. This is of uh, the um, window in the back, uh, which we all love dearly. Uh, we'll serve communion this evening uh, in the United Methodist Church. All who want to come forward for Holy Communion are welcome to do so. We'll serve by intention, and I'll explain that as we get to that point. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, you have called us to uh, this house so that we may read scripture, so that we may sing songs, so that we may pray prayers, so that we may hear children in worship, so that we, uh, we may understand your incarnation, your coming to this world to love us, to cherish us, to teach us, to heal us. Give us open hearts and minds, Lord, in the midst of this service to understand your love for us this day. Amen. Please stand as you're able for our first congregational carol, number 234.
Please be seated. The Advent wreath is made of various evergreens signifying continuous life. The circle of the wreath, which has no beginning or end, symbolizes the eternity of God and the everlasting life found in Christ. The four colored candles represent the four weeks of Advent. Three candles are purple and one is pink. The purple candles in particular symbolize hope, peace, and love. The pink candle is lit on the third Sunday and represents joy. The progressive lighting of the candles symbolizes the expectation and hope surrounding our Lord's first coming into the world and the anticipation of his second coming. The white candle is the Christ candle. From the center of the wreath, it reminds us that the birth of Jesus is the heart of this season. The Christ candle symbolizes the light of God coming into the world through the birth of his son. We light the Christ candle as a symbol of God's incarnation. May we remember that this, this incarnation is the heart of Christmas. May we live each day exemplifying Christ as the light of the world. O come, um, O come, Emmanuel. I now invite the children to come down for the children's moments with Miss Margie. to see some big smiles on your faces tonight. Tonight is the night, right? What am I talking about? Christmas. Say it! Christmas. Christmas. Okay. Who's excited? Oh, yeah, we all are. See, look at, let me ask that question and look out here at these adults. Who's excited about tonight? See? See what I mean? It's okay to show excitement in church. It's okay to do that. I want to talk to you for just a few minutes about a nativity. Who knows what a nativity is? Okay. Um, it's about where Jesus and Mary were in their stable. That's exactly right. When we say nativity, tell me some of the things. You've already said Mary and the stable and Joseph, baby Jesus, the three wise men. What was up in the shepherds? <clears throat> Say it for me. The star. Which direction was the star? In the, in the east. See, you all know this. And they all came to do something, and it starts with the W. They came to worship and worship the baby Jesus. That's right. Now, there are many ways that we can talk about a nativity and show, you know, the birth of Jesus and all that. One way, how many of you have nativities in your home or out in the yard or you've seen one in front of a church? Or, yeah, just about everybody has. Um, some, I brought along two of my favorite. I keep mine out all year. One is one that was carved for me out of wood by my brother. He gave me this years ago, and it separates, 
And you can see all of the things that make a nativity. Where was the baby Jesus born? In a manger, in a stable, exactly right. And they had a star in the east. And you had, who were the parents? Joseph and Mary, and the baby was born in a manger. Very good. You got all of that. Excellent. This is one of my favorites, too. And I like this one because you mash a little button and it tells the whole story. When Jesus was born in Bethlehem. And I won't play the whole thing, but that's why I like it. And sometimes just during the year, I will just go in there and just play that because I love to hear the story over and over. Some people show the nativity scene on their clothing. Have you seen anybody tonight that has... Yeah. What do you see? I was so glad you said yes, because I was afraid y'all were going to say no. Who do you see? Yeah, you see. And on the back, what do you think would be on the back? And, yeah. And shepherds? Shepherds, okay. One of my favorite ways, too, to tell about the nativity is from candy. How many of you like M&Ms? I do, too. And if you be real good tonight, when I finish this story about M&Ms showing about the nativity, I'll give you some M&Ms to take. I'm going to say take home with you because none of you would eat candy during church time, would you? No? You're going <laughs> to... We have... Pastor Joe, we have one honest soul up here that he would. Yeah, and it's okay, but I want you to take the packet home so that you can tell someone else the story that I'm about to tell you. I'm going to use the big M, just like you see on this pack of candy, where I got yours from. I'm going to use the big M right there. And if I turn that M, which is like this, this way, what letter would you see? This way, what letter would you see? An E, exactly right. And what would the E stand for? Emmanuel and the star in the east. Very good. M, if I turn it this way, it makes an M for the manger. And if I turn it that way, what do you see? What number? Three. three. What would the three be? Three wise men. And then if I turn it one more time, the M upside down. For worship. For worship, exactly right. So <clears throat> Mr. Don and I are going to do a song in just a minute. And I want you to stay up here because after we do the song, <clears throat> I'll give you the candy, okay? Will you sit real quietly for just a minute? Okay. Hold on, Mr. Don. Let me get settled up here. How many of you know how to spell Christmas? Good, we have a few. Well, I'm going to sing a song that sort of tells when I was a little bitty child, maybe like these two younger ones right here, this is something that you might have heard from me. Mr. Don, are we ready? <laughs> well, when I was just a youngster, Christmas meant one thing. It meant I'd be getting lots and lots of toys on that day. But I learned a whole lot different from my mother when she sat me down and she taught me to spell Christmas this way. See, is for the Christ child born upon this day. Hey. 
that shone so bright. T is for three wise men as they travel for. M is for the manger where Jesus lay. A is for all he stands for. As mean shepherds came, and that's why there's a Christmas day, and that's why there's a Christmas day, and Merry Christmas to everybody. Thank you.
Please stand as you're able and join us in our congregational carol, number 238. Be seated. Please turn to page 1590 in your pew Bibles if you'd like to follow along with the story. 
If you're a visitor today, I'll let you know that I, um, whatever scripture I'm reading, I always break it up. Um, I think it's important to pull it apart and understand different parts of it. And more importantly, if I were out there, it would be hard for me to pay attention that long. And so there are certain elements that I'm going to um, break up and then we'll go back to it again. So if you want to keep it open, you certainly can. We're going to look at Luke chapter 2, starting with verse 1. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. There is a ton of information in that paragraph, all sorts of helpful insights that help set the tone for why this story matters then and why this story matters now. First of all, the Romans were in charge and did whatever they wanted, whenever they wanted. They established Jewish political leaders that served as puppets for whatever they wanted. They do anything. That person was given the um, sense of power, but really we're just going to tell you what to do and you get your people to do it. Thanks. The Romans had a massive empire that had to be taxed, had to be farmed, had to be fed, and the empire never stopped needing more. If you Google it, you'll see that the empire was Western Europe, a little bit east of um, Germany, all the way over into the southern part of England, northern Africa, East Asia. It is enormous, and you've got to feed that whole thing. Joseph, who would raise Jesus, was genetically tied all the way back to King David in a time when the Jewish people were the dominant military power. Joseph and Mary are yet to be married and are going to have a baby. Mary is rather far along, and they are traveling in a way that no one could now. The city of Bethlehem, which would already be difficult to travel through, now has everyone who is genetically tied to that city coming back and teeming through the streets. Oh, and by the way, my wife, my future wife, is having a baby right now. Every element of this is beyond difficult for the participants. And you have to imagine how in the world were they behaving you know, how do you behave if somebody doesn't take that green arrow that gives you the left turn and they don't come hard out of it and you think, well, I've got to wait for a whole other arrow? Sometimes I lose my mind over something simple like that. How do you behave when somebody, if, you're, if there's sort of a line in a restaurant but it's not really clear and the person comes in front of four of you that are sort of standing there and they're in line, you, know, you sort of get grumpy about that sort of thing. But imagine all those things. A Roman government and army that has to feed an enormous amount, taxing you to get whatever they want and more. You're traveling when you don't want to travel. You're given the census so that they can collect more taxes. We're going to have a baby. We're not even married yet. And oh, by the way, the baby's coming right now. You know, there's people that are just sort of grumpy. And you think, what's that person's problem? More than likely, 
there's something going on in their life, either in the short term or in the long term, that is causing them to be overwhelmed, overstimulated to a point that they can't function on the level that you can function. Most people, I really believe, if things are going fairly well for them, are fairly pleasant. But these people, nothing is breaking their way, and they need someone to come. Verse 8 says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into, the, into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that's happened, the thing that the Lord has told us about. Now, if there was ever a time when I would want to be a shepherd, I don't know there would be tons of times in my life when I would rather be a shepherd than what I am currently doing. But with, an, with a city that is entirely insane with people, all trying to get a place, all trying to eat, all trying to find something, I'd love to be out in the field just taking care of some animals. Out in the clear, out looking at the stars. No concerns whatsoever with all that, that's going on. But then, bang! Angels are among them. And they say the three magic words that we have been reading for three straight weeks in worship. What are those three words? Don't be afraid. That's insane. Why would we not be afraid? Every time somebody says that we've read, don't be afraid, there's plenty of reasons to be afraid. The angels are there all of a sudden, and they say, don't be afraid, but there's something major coming, and y'all are going to be the ones that deliver it. What they did not say, that both Zechariah and Mary did say, how's this going to happen? They didn't say that. These shepherds, whom I bet if you polled a number of the political, business, whatever leaders in town and said, how smart are those shepherds out there in the fields? I don't know if they'd get high marks, but these shepherds got it faster and clearer than anyone else did. And they reacted more decisively than anyone else did. Someone is coming. Someone is coming to truly change the situation. Now, I can easily think of instances in which I was the victim of circumstances or my own decisions and or the decisions of others, and I've had no way out. In 1989, my father took me to Washington, D.C. in the fifth grade, and we had a terribly difficult time finding the hotel on one-way streets, and there was no GPS. <laughs> I don't remember exactly how he was, but if I can channel myself now, if that were a situation, I figure I'm about like he is. In 2003, I was preparing to mail all of my ordination materials, and they needed to be postmarked on a particular day, or they were meaningless. They needed to be postmarked on this day, the day that I was going. The UPS store had already rolled the date forward for the next day before they closed. 
In 2013, we bought a home in Greenville, and the seller did not disclose a horrific leak in the basement. And any time we had any rain, we had awful water in the basement. In each of those three situations, one as a child and two as an adult, I thought, what on earth are we going to do? My father hired a taxi and had him drive to the place where we were going, and we just followed him. That's true. That's real. He said, go to the Marriott, and we went to the Marriott. That's a true story. In 2003, I said to the worker who's just a kid, who doesn't know how to roll the date back, I said, I don't, I don't know if you don't know how to roll the date back, but you've got to roll the date back. If you don't roll this date back, everything that I've done will be meaningless, and I'll have to do it all again next year. And that, he went, uh, okay. And he went back and got the manager, the manager came around, the manager rolled the date forward, and they stamped it. It still was the day. The manager came. Neither one of us could have solved that, and I would have been done. In 2013, we had um, an attorney in our church who knew everything about real estate. And he said, I'm willing to help you. And we had everything we needed. And he did everything he had to do and filed all the papers, and this person ultimately had to help us fix it. I'm talking about situations in which I could not do anything and was losing my mind, and someone came in and helped me. Verse 16. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child. All who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them, probably also amazed that it was shepherds that said it to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Now consider the lives of all these people before Jesus was born, and consider how His birth changed their very lives. Greed, violence, and pain dominated these people's lives before, and there's still plenty of that, and there's still plenty of that today. But Jesus was someone who was coming to truly change the situation. Not on a global level, but on an individual, personal level. One person changing their hearts and minds so that another person can do it, so that another person can do it. Greed, violence, and pain dominated these people's lives, but not tonight. Tonight there was an infant. Tonight there was new hope. Tonight there were wrinkles instead of knees, and wrinkles instead of knuckles. Tonight there was a little head, and it was wrapped up. Tonight, greed, violence, and pain did not dominate their lives. In fact, I've always been confused by the fact that we serve Holy Communion on Christmas Eve. Me personally, I've wondered of any night in the year, when we are worshiping together, why have a dinner that preceded His crucifixion on the night in which we're celebrating Him being a baby? Have y'all ever wondered that? So 
So I asked Reverend Smoke tonight. He said, uh, Malden United Methodist, and he was on the theological committee that I submitted the paperwork to in 2003 that had to be postmarked. <laughs> Smoke said, oh, it's simple. And why didn't we ask you about that in the interview? He said, it's incarnation. It's God amongst us. God present right here amongst us, here to truly change the situation. In the liturgy that we read, in which we repent for what we've done and what we haven't done and what we've said and what we haven't said, God comes amongst us and serves us, is incarnate amongst us, the same way that infant was. So I thought, well, that makes total sense. That's why you have it. That's why we celebrate it. That's why we will participate in it together. And I thought, well, how does that impact us at Memorial in December of 2015? Well, I've been here six months. And we've had some major things that we really had to address. And we've addressed some major things that were inside of our walls. And we've set ourselves up for success in 2016. So the practice of most churches is to stare at their belly button. That's just that's what they do. They, the, the common practice, the gravitational pull is inward towards what we're doing and what we're saying. What I want to do in 2016 in honor of Jesus coming and changing the situation is for us to think, how can we change the situation outside these walls? In 2016, you're going to hear about our major agencies and the way in which they already are serving people who are in desperate need, people who do not have a break, people who need something to go their way, people who need food, people who need clothing, people who need support, people who need counseling, something to pick them up and get them on their way. In 2016, we're going to make what we ask of you in this church as lean as possible inside the building. And we're going to free you up to serve these agencies outside our building. So that people will think, you know, what's, what's Memorial doing? Well, they're in the community. They're here present. They're serving the people who need it the most. And why? Well, it sort of gives us a good feeling. Well, it sort of cancels the other dumb stuff we've done. Well, because Joe made us. Joe's always making us do stuff. No, because we do it because God did it for us. God came to us, taught us, healed us, picked us up, and showed us the way. And as long as I'm here at Memorial, we are going to do that for our community in every way possible. Let us pray. Merciful Lord, we thank you for your presence amongst us and we apologize for our tendency to focus on all the negative things surrounding us. We apologize for saying that the world is worse than it's ever been and there's nothing we can even do. Help us, Lord, to celebrate your presence, your incarnation. Help us to make promises to one another and to you. Help us to come to your table with our hands open, our hearts open, our minds open to your very presence amongst us. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.
If y'all will turn to page 12 in your hymnal. We'll read our communion liturgy. The bold is for the congregation to read. And I want you to notice the things that you're saying, given the things that were in the text. Page 12 in your hymnal. Christ our Lord invites to His table all who love Him, who earnestly repent of their sin, and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved You with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done Your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors and not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. We're tight. So I want y'all simply to remain seated, turn to one another, and say, Peace be with you. this evening. What will you do? It is the practice of this um, congregation, of our congregation, to uh, leave money on the rail. That money will go to the Good Samaritan Fund. The Good Samaritan Fund helps people in our community that are in need. Join me in the great thanksgiving. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you, and blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples, and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples, and said, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, poured out for you and for many, for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it, in remembrance of me. 
And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world, until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. And now, with the confidence of the children of God, let us pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. In that prayer, you prayed not for the fact that you may one day go to heaven, but that you may bring the kingdom of God to this place right now in your actions and in your words. I'm going to call our retired ministers forward who will serve with me and give you all a couple of instructions. Y'all, not the retired ministers, that is. So we're going to serve by intention, which means that um, one of us will give you a piece of bread and the other one will be holding a cup and you'll dip the bread into the cup and eat it. Should you eat the bread, do not panic. We will give you another piece of bread. We have gluten-free bread that's here. It's going, we're not going to have it in our hands, but you can um, take it as you come by. Um, we want to offer that to you if you need it. Um, once you take communion, you may kneel here, but be aware that there are many people um, behind you and that we have many obstacles today uh, on our um, kneelers. We normally go one direction from the outside, but because we're serving by intention, we're going to go from the inside. I believe in you. I think you can do it. Okay? We're going to come from the inside. You're going to come here, you're going to kneel if you would like, and you're going to return to your seat by the outside. Once we complete communion, then we'll be lighting our Advent candles. John, do this. Going from the inside, past us, to the outside, and to your seat. So if I'll get, I'll get you, Jim, to be out here on the inside. I believe in you. Okay. Which would you like?
now we're going to do a slightly more complicated procedure. <laughs> Our acolytes are going to walk down the aisle, the center aisle, and light the outside candles. And you want, as a lit candle person, tilt your candle. Non-lit candle people will tilt to lit candle people. And thus we will save the seats from wax, which is critical. Okay? We'll have the light candle, you put theirs, yours is lit, and then we work down the line, okay? Charlie's gonna lead us in uh, instrumental Silent Night. And then once we've got most everybody's, I tell you what, go ahead and get your hymnal out. That'll be smart. And turn to the page that Silent Night is on that's in your bulletin, which is 239. <laughs> go ahead and turn to page 239 and have your candle ready. And our acolytes will come. And once we have just about everybody, we will sing. Our service will conclude with um, three chimes after our last verse in Holy Communion. I don't have any chimes. <laughs> our service will conclude by me telling you to go in peace. Okay? That's how we're going to do it. I want to say that as the last thing I say, so I want to tell you that I'm grateful that you came. I'm grateful for all of our leaders and the way that you've helped us have this service and make it special. And I hope that y'all have a very merry and safe Christmas. Let's begin.
stand and lift your candles. Go in peace, and may the God who is peace go with you. Amen.